Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You should a, have some decent shoes on, Alex. I should have some decent shoes. Um, <laughs> and what a great way to start the uh, second part of the stomp past me stumbling over. I nearly landed in a bush. The, the only spiky bush on the whole mound, actually, I nearly landed in. But, uh, impressive. There we go. It's Sensible my, shoes. It's my punishment, apparently, for, for not uh, saying the words right. Oh, God. We've come over the crest of the hill, and now we get the wonderful view. We can appreciate, Tim, for a moment how beautiful um, this part of the world is in the Peak District. That is absolutely spectacular Fantastic, on the it? top so of the hill. We've got a, it's not North. Are we saying Norfolk's not as good? Norfolk's flat. <laughs> flat. That's, flat. Like this. No, okay, no, that's no. a 360 flat. degree view. We which a 360 is... degree view. We've got so many people out walking and moving. There's dogs, there's families. If you like dogs, there's lots of dogs here at the moment. They're looking very cute and running around. Great for the mental health, right? Yeah, and the patchwork of fields below with all the sheep in and stuff. It's beautiful and the stone cottages. It's absolutely stunning. You should write a book. <laughs> are you going to tell us about the book? Oh, that could come later. We've got a bit of a book coming. Okay. Yeah, you've got the book coming. We're going to definitely delve. And, and what we're going to do now, I think, let's let's let, well, funny enough, as we're out walking, let's talk about how you guys, you know, came up with three dads walking, how you met, and a little bit of a snapshot of, of some of the things you've achieved. You know, you, I, I, well, you told me at the start, you try, we're trying to raise three thousand pound each by walking between your homes that are quite far apart, a good couple hundred miles, and you've ended up raising a few more quid than yeah. that. So maybe you could start, Tim, but explaining how you guys kind of met. I've heard some of the background, but how did you go from that to going, hang on, let's get together and do something here? Well, the three of us didn't know each other at all. We've got no connections at all uh, when we were in our moments of despair. And uh, it started with me and my eldest daughter, Annabelle, who about a month after M died, had seen something on social media about this girl called Beth in uh, Manchester, 17-year-old who'd taken her own life and somehow through the magic of social media, Annabelle got in touch with Beth's older sister, Emily, uh, who then got in touch with the dad and said, there's this strange girl from Norfolk trying to contact me. And it ended up with Annabelle talking to to Mike without me knowing. Mm. And so Annabelle comes to me and said, Dad, I've been talking to this bloke in Manchester. And I'm going, oh, no, what? We're in devastation, this strange bloke in Manchester. No, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> he's so he's very strange. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I sent Mike a text and just said, Mike, you know, so sorry to hear about Beth, but I think we're in exactly the same situation or very similar situations. And Mike responded virtually straight away. And we, we spoke, we agreed to speak the following day when we got our heads together. And that was dead on a, a month after Em had died, so about three weeks after Beth had died. And we, uh, we agreed kind of there and then for a bit of peer support. We said, because there was no support from charities or very little, you know, we were totally isolated. And suddenly I'd connected with the bloke who was in a very, very similar situation to me. And we, we agreed there and then that we would speak whenever we needed to whatever time of day or night however bad we felt we'd give each other a call a text or whatever and that was an absolute game changer that willing willingness of both of us to talk to each other 
was the peer support that we gave each other and Michael explain more in a minute but that that was an absolute game changer for both of us and it was about two weeks later we had to clear Em's room out her grandma had broken her leg in the pandemic we needed a room the only room was spare room we got was Em so we were going through her stuff which was just horrendous and I find, found a note from her and it was her last note to us and it was our most beautiful written note just saying how she'd struggled for so long and couldn't cope and but there were t- there's two kind of sentences that will stick with me forever in there and I, I can remember reading them out to Mike and the first one was don't be ashamed of what I've done and the second thing was if others can learn I, I kind of read those out to Mike and I knew at that point we needed to do something. I didn't know what it was, and Mike didn't know what it was, but, you know, Mike and I had probably been speaking for about two weeks, three weeks yeah, at a time. Yeah. And, uh, and the other thing that, you know, both of us, and Michael explained the stuff that he did, I, the help-seeking behaviour that we did after that was I went on a course with Mind called The Anchor Project for People Bereaved by Suicide. Mind are brilliant. That, that project was uh, the people that were, that were working and supporting, the suicide bereavement worker that supported us called Steve absolutely fantastic and uh, this course with mind was incredibly powerful talking about all the emotions you go through after losing a loved one to suicide and the importance of not getting stuck in any of those emotions especially around the guilt and the blame and the anger and uh, but I'm a bit of a numbers man and I was interested in the numbers of people and I they, they gave me a Samaritan's report from 2017 because the suicide figures lag a little bit because of the coroners and the procurator fiscal. And I was just gobsmacked that over 6,000 people every year die by suicide across the UK and and, and Ireland. And it can't be that many, can it? I can remember saying to Mike, that's ridiculous. That's a ridiculous amount of people. And then you look at it and we lose, tragically, about 1,500 people on the roads every year. So we're losing four times more by suicide, at least four times more by suicide. And then Dem- not to uh, and not to diminish not the, to um, diminish the safety it to- of the road safety work. No, I think how much you see in terms of road safety. I'm not diminishing at all. No, the the, the, of that, but that, it does make you think, doesn't it? The, that's the the whole point. We put so much effort as a society into road safety, into the design of the cars, the speed limits, the police art on the roads, the you know highways, uh, national highway. All these people are trying to minimise road deaths, and yet we lose it, which is great, which is exactly as yeah. it should be. But the same amount of investment isn't going into suicide prevention and it's killing four times as many people. That doesn't make any sense to me as a simple bloke who likes numbers. And that's, you know, Mike and I spoke lots about that. But I'll probably hand over to, to Mike now to where, where he came in. So, Mike, this, this initial connection was made and, and I guess you kind of, between you, reflected on clear issue at hand and, and perhaps the well no definitely the lack of work that perhaps has been done and that's not diminish again anyone's work in that space but you know it's all it's fair for us all to say far too many people die even one person's too many but far too many die by suicide each year so yeah what was your kind of what was the kind of next steps that you know you, you had this initial conversation you both reflected on these numbers what, what did you kind of do next it was obvious that both of us had uh, lived in ignorant bliss like like so many people sadly do you know, of uh, the effect of suicide, the amount of people who take their own lives, but also what could potentially happen to them and their families. We, we reflected on this. We realised that we needed to be proactive in this. We, we needed to do something. What that something was, we weren't sure. But, you know, I, you know, I don't know whether I'm out of, uh, 
line here, Tim, but I don't think any of us are in our prime, are we? Speak for yourself, mate. I haven't come to you yet. But the obvious thing was that suicide is a UK-wide problem. The obvious thing was, is that I, I lived in Manchester, Tim lives out in Norfolk. The obvious thing was to maybe walk from one house to the other. We're, I think we're both very sort of proactive people. We need to, even in the depths of my despair, Tim was one of those very important factors in my despair that basically kept me going. You know, sort of uh, speaking to people like my chaplain at work, my doctor and things, uh, even taking my dog out. They were all starting to support just a little bit keeping me going but uh, but I, I broke subject with Tim I said you know maybe we should walk but it never really went anywhere we just talked about it for a bit mm. but then I started doing um, I was introduced to papyrus by a good friend of ours called um, Claire and uh, like Andy I was attracted to it because it's a suicide prevention yeah. charity and uh, targeting young people so I ended up actually going to London once to do something called run the ring um, that's basically, it's a, it's a VW thing around the M25 where hundreds of people in their VWs, all different types and whatever, go to London and uh, make a bit of a nuisance of themselves, but it's a wonderful event around the M25. I had a, a T6 camper van then, so basically I went and we, and myself and my wife ended up talking on the radio there because they were doing all this for Papyrus. And um, yeah, with the, the earned, uh, they made lots of money, about forty-five thousand. I think it was an absolutely wonderful event. Um, but basically, I, I started doing stuff with Papyrus as well, doing suicide awareness and suicide prevention courses, because basically I needed to know why Beth had done what she had done. It, it's it's a, basically the courses were very hard. I was doing them within the first year of losing my little girl. But I needed to know. I needed to understand something about what had gone on. But um, also I went to a champions course and I'd started hearing about this, uh, this guy called Andy Airy who lived in the, uh, lived in the hills of Cumbria. Yeah, <laughs> so hills, spent, spent yeah. most of his days outside running and walking. <laughs> I've got this image of you just like walk, going through all seasons and just like <laughs> yes. battling through snow, yeah, that's uh, me. That's fighting it. through rain. Oh, that, that's yeah. to go to the pub. That, Sun that, on your back. Yeah, that, 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 that's it. <laughs> Is that how far it is to the local yeah, pub? Yeah, okay, yeah, I see, I see. yeah. Andy, definitely this image of a mountain man. Obviously, I'd never seen him, but he was doing stuff for his... Um, you know, in the name of his, his daughter, Sophie. Yeah. And even Papyrus said, you know, you, you need to meet this bloke. But funnily enough, in one of the um, courses did was a champion's course. I actually met Andy's son, Gregor. And I said to Gregor, I said, do you think your dad would be interested in a bit of a walk? And he said, basically, I don't know, ask him. <laughs> so they got hold of Andy. And uh, do you want Andy to take the next yeah, bit? Yeah, I've got Andy. I think because flag, he's very flag, good at this bit. The, the, <laughs> I think the baton, I think the flag, we've got the flag. Yeah. baton's been passed on to you. Oh, it is. Well, that was, uh, Gregor phoned me that night. It was December the 11th, actually, uh, 2020. So it was oh, you wrote it in the diary. Well, it's the day before what would have been Sophie's 31st birthday. Right. Yeah, when, we, when we've looked back, that's when it was. And, and consequently, I kind of put it to the back of my mind because it was Sophie's birthday the next day. It was the anniversary of a, a death coming up the following week. Just such a tough time. Yeah, and Christmas, you know, anniversaries are, are challenging. Anniversaries are very challenging. So I'd, I thought, 
actually quite, quite interesting, but I just, just put it to one side. I never really thought about it. And then um, in the spring, I got this phone call from this gruff Mancunian, uh, Mike, who introduced himself. <laughs> and then and I'd remembered what Gregor had said. Oh, all right, okay. And so we spoke on the phone and Mike told me about Beth and what had happened to her and what, how that had affected his family. And I talk about, talked about Solf and our family. And then um, he talked a little bit about Tim as well and how he'd helped him. And then at the end of that, we arranged to meet and go for a walk. So uh, Mike came up to South Cumbria and we went and had a walk out on the limestone uh, country near Kirby Stephen, actually, beautiful area. And uh, just a very gentle walk, um, but really emotionally charged. Um, and we, we were very open about how we'd got to where we were, how we're still surviving, um, what we were doing to, to kind of get through. And so Mike explained about Tim and how he'd effectively saved his life in the, in the very early days after losing Beth. And then he went on to say about this idea of flagging up the fact that suicide can happen to any family anywhere uh, in that non-discriminatory nature. And uh, said, how we thought about walking between our houses. And I kind of thought, oh, God, that's actually a bloody brilliant idea, Mike. You know, it is a very... Is that before you saw how far it was? Well, I did say to him, remind me where Tim lives. <laughs> in Norfolk, huh? So you don't know where that is, Mike. <laughs> I've suddenly found out he doesn't know where Norfolk is. <laughs> um, but a real distance, you know, it's a yeah, real, real and distance. And I said, yeah. how far? And he said, uh, I've got a plan. And so he went back to his camper van, and in the back of the van he had a... 2010 road atlas and on the you know the page where you open it which got the whole of great britain it put a dot on penrith and a dot on sale and a dot on derby and a dot on king's linen joined them up and marked this these three lines off in 20 mile sections and uh, you had 280 miles i think marked on it mike didn't you Oh, I think it's exactly 300. I, I did, well, it was 324, I think, when you, when you did it. Yeah. But I did, I did say to him, bloody hell, yeah, that's a great idea, but I think we need, to, we need to work on this a bit. We need, we need to hone your plan. And that was it, really. Um, and how long was it after you'd made that initial, you know, you're there the camp, in the camper, you make this plan, how long was it from there that you... Well, you'd... quite quickly, it was the following month, I think, we had the first uh, yeah. Teams meeting, didn't we? 24th of April, we had a Teams meeting. That was the first time we uh, met virtually and explained our stories, first time I'd seen Andy. I think it was then the 2nd of July, we all met up at uh, Mike's house in Manchester on the Friday, had quite a few beers on the Friday night. That was quite an emotional night. And then we got down to the planning of it on the Saturday. Bear in mind, we were going to be walking in the, the October. Uh, and then we met again, the second time we met was at the start of September, which was the kind of the formal launch of the just at a local brewery, Seven Brothers Brewery, mm-hmm. uh, in, in Manchester. So we only met twice face-to-face before we, we and then you, then you set off and yeah. and uh, Mike we will come back to you what was the t- talk us through the actual logistics of what you did I mean you're going between these locations how long did it take you what was the kind of I and mean, the public reaction was huge because I, I think everyone realized how incredible it is what you were doing and, and kind of the story I think captured people but you know did you expect to get that level of reaction and, and yeah what, what was it like actually doing it you know we had no idea what was going to happen we had no idea the 
you know, the immensity of it. To be quite honest, we were probably walking for ourselves very much. Yeah. You know, sort of we had to do something positive and everything. You know, and it, but everything had fallen bizarrely into place. We'd had to plan this over 15 days. We'd worked out. We'd, we'd managed to get places to stay after every night. And that is the kindness of people as well. You know, where there were private houses where people had, you know, sort of uh, welcome us, cook, cook lovely dinners wow. and things, but want to sit and talk as well. That was bizarre. Or whether it was pubs. Pubs were always nice, weren't they? Yep, good. B&Bs, everything. The kindness of people, even, even on the way as well, people bringing us stuff, you know, to eat. We didn't lose any weight. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, we were basically powered on pork pies for uh, most of it. No, it was... Oh, it was but the pe people came, we rarely walked alone. They say, how did we get on? We, we didn't have to talk to each other. This is the first time we've spoken for <laughs> so yeah, long yeah. together, yeah. But basically, <laughs> but people came out, but they tended to go from one of us, speak to us individually. Yes, sure. And, you know, and walk with us. But um, powerful stories, heartbreaking stories. Sorry, the game changer was Andy getting in contact with Alison Freeman from the BBC. I don't know if you want to yeah. pick yeah. up on well, that. Yeah. That, that was, was the, the end, absolute that game was the changer. End of, um, that first meeting that we had um, on in at Mike's house, the first time we met face to face. Before you went on the walk. Yeah. 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 And uh, when I was doing all the run for Sophie stuff, um, Alison, who's based up in Newcastle, she's known me. Uh, well, we've known each other for years, years and years and years, from way before we lost Sophie. And uh, when I was doing the run for Sophie stuff, she'd helped. Um, she got me on the Look North and helped promote what I was doing then. Um, but, so I said at the end of the first meeting the three of us had, was I've got this tame BBC reporter. <laughs> Do you mind if I talk to her about what we're planning? And they kind of went, well, as long as you trust, if you trust her, that's fine. They'd never met her, obviously. And so when I got home, I phoned Alison to say, uh, I met these two blokes and uh, um, explained the situation with Beth and Emily and uh, this idea that Mike's had that, that showing that suicide could, that could be everywhere. And um, you could hear the, down the other end of the phone, it kind of went quiet. And you could almost hear her brain clicking into gear. And the, and the first thing she said to me was, I think I can get this on the BBC breakfast. Uh, Brilliant. Would you be happy with that? So Brilliant. I went, obviously went back to these two and said, this is what Alison said. And he was like, yeah, if it's going to raise the profile because it raise it. The, you know that kind of you know, it's amazing like the power of all the badness sometimes of to honest media yeah. and tv and social media the power of it of when you get something like this that captures like that initial click of the yeah. nation of like oh my god these guys are doing an amazing thing that's yeah. like a snowball then isn't yeah. it, 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 it exactly that and so that was um yeah. Yeah, as soon as alison approached the bbc breakfast team the following week and she came back and said um they've commissioned her and uh, Adam, her, her colleague, cameraman, um, director colleague in Newcastle, to do a, a piece that was going to go out on BBC Breakfast before the start of the first walk. And so they then um, spent a couple of days, uh, came to me one morning and filmed me trundling around um, the uh, Eden Valley where I live in the Lake District. Then they went down to Mike that afternoon and filmed him in... Um, Sale Water Park, and then went the following day to Tim and, and shot this footage and did the interviews, which then became a about a five, seven minute long film, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. 
which which uh, that's a huge segment of oh, course it was that's unbelievable a, that's a huge massive, like, it doesn't massive. sound a lot, like a lot but in tv terms that's a no, that's massive, good airtime massive 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 and that actually went out um after the uh, launch we did at seven brothers brewery um and they asked for one of us to go and sit on the red sofa with jed flynn who's the chief exec of papyrus um and so mike being the local to media city mike went along there on the like a wednesday morning or something wasn't it yeah and yeah. our an hour um just giving page had already yeah, got how away. much money was there well we'd got to ten thousand about ten thousand that yeah. day wow so it was obviously ten thousand before the interview. Yeah. On and then what? How much did it get then? By the end of the day. Yeah. It was about forty thousand. Oh. Yeah, nearly fifty. Yeah, by the end of the day. Yeah. Done anything? You hadn't started. Yeah. 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 I've been on the red set too. Okay. Yes. Yes. With yes, your yes, manner spreading, I think you'll find. Yes. That's what did it. My missus always, Helen, always tells me off about man spreading. I have to concentrate when I'm on oh, the what, Is that your leg? Is that to do your legs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, see. It's the knees being too I, far I, apart. Oh, yes, yeah. oh, yes, yeah. Keep, yeah. keep tucked in and so That's on. It. Yeah. Next time we're on, just keep an eye out for what well, Mike's well, trying to do. Yeah, exactly. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be dropping you a message after saying, ah, yes, support you out. There you go. So, 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 Tim, so you've had this moment, you're like, well, actually, do you know what? This is really picking on yeah, so, size. You've got the busy breakfast now involved. You're then about to get going. Did you realise at that point like this is going to really... We knew it could be quite big. Yeah. And then the kind of... The, there were two things that really crowned it, I think. On the, the We start to walk on the Saturday from Andy's house in Morland. what month this was now. This was in October. October, October yeah. 21. Yeah. So it wasn't that long after Mike and I had lost yeah. our girls and under three Gosh, years since Andy had lost Soph. Uh, and on the Friday, I'm catching the train up to uh, Mor- or Penrith, and we're on a WhatsApp group with the charity. And they, they WhatsApped us and said, Daniel Craig has just donated £10,000 to that Three Dads story. Walking. Yeah, I yeah, and I, I was that. sitting on the train station at Preston and just tears coming down my eyes, just going, hang on a minute, Daniel Craig, 007, is absolutely fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, that's amazing. And, that, and then we set off the, the following morning. It was live on BBC Breakfast. And we'd had to time the start from uh, Moreland simply down to BBC Breakfast said right you've got to start at this time because that's when our maximum viewing figures are and there's more stuff went on in the day you know we, loads of people there at the, the start to see us off live on BBC Breakfast yes. suicide bereaved people came within 10 yards of starting and, and uh, came and walked with us that day Suzanne but the uh, by the end of that for, my phone kept going in my pocket. I was the only one that hadn't turned off my just mm. giving alerts. By lunchtime... <laughs> That's pinging a bit. Yeah, I was pinging. So by lunchtime, I've got 2,605 emails, I think. Wow. And then, then by the, the afternoon, it was up to about 4,700. By the, the end of that day, the first day, we're up to 200,000 pounds. And it was just... The three of us just could not believe the, the scale of what we'd done. We'd only walked 20 miles. That's done, isn't it? Lovely. We're done. Yeah. And it was just that we knew then it was... This was kind of a big beast that we'd let yeah. go. Uh, it was just, and, and it's big beast financially, but what was really sad, but it was that, as I said, people came and joined us from within yeah. 10 yards of starting at Moreland. Mm-hmm. Suicide bereaved parents mm-hmm. who wanted to walk with us and talk with us, as yeah. the other two have already said. And we realized then the power of walking and talking. That was just absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Are there particular moments, maybe a moment each from each of you that you kind of really, you know, a moment that you kind of look back and remember, how long did the walk take? How long did, between all of the... 15, 15 days. Yeah, it was 15 days 15 on the days. first. 15 yeah. yeah. How, was there a particular moment you have each where, you know, someone, something someone said or just a moment between you the, that you kind of look back on? Shortly after we, we left Moreland, um, I saw a lady beside a road. She had a picture of a, a beautiful young woman on her T-shirt. She was holding a, an order of service um, and it transpires after talking to her because you're immediately drawn to these people that she'd recently lost her daughter, Amy, taking her own life. Amy was, um, Amy was a young mum and I spent some time talking to her and she gave me the order of service in the end and I put that in my in my uh, rucksack and I carried that order of service all the way through to the end but on the way we actually we didn't put all these pieces together until we'd finished but on the way we actually met her father-in-law and then we met her husband and the two children on the way as well at different places and we didn't piece this all together but they all told the individual stories but we didn't link it all back to Amy when we got back, I still had the order of service. I managed to get it back to Amy's mum and told her that I'd carried it all the way. And basically, Amy's mum joined us on the second walk. Um, but, you know, it, it's these linking these things together. You know, you realise you're not alone, you know, but it was just powerful for me seeing this beautiful young mother who'd taken her own life, who'd fell into such despair yet feeling the love of her family and, and how much she was missed. Mm, absolutely. And, and for the three of you, did that, I'm guessing that walk has really brought you, I mean, it's obvious to me actually, just spending a short amount of time with you, how close you all are. Do, is there some sort of, I guess, togetherness or bond that you've got now that you've done this and you know, you've raised you know, between your walks and the walk, walking and the money raising you've done is well over 1.2 million. We're going to come on to part three, of course, the kind of political side that, that you're working on and the amazing what you're doing in that space. But do you feel that these walks and what you've done, has that brought like a bond for life between you, do you think? Well, it's a good job we got on with each other. <laughs> what, every day? Well, not every day. <laughs> Were there any spats? Oh, now that what goes on the walk stays on the walk. No, no, fair enough, I like that. See, loyal band of brothers and the loyalty, no, I love it's, it. Yeah. It's, um, I, I can only imagine it. It, it, it would have had not to have bonded very closely because right from the start we were just completely open with each other. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
and once you once you know somebody so intimately, if you don't like them, you know it immediately. So, so some people are grumpier than others, aren't some they? Some are, some are, yeah, yeah. yeah but who's yeah. the grumpiest? Oh, him. The Cumbrian. The Cumbrian are narrowing it down. I don't believe. Is that without enough food, though? Is that without food? Who's most hangry? Oh him. Um, yeah, you, you, yeah. you, 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 you don't, I don't do, do being hungry. Lack of yeah. food is bad. Yes, yes, massively. Yeah. You know, I, I, yeah. I can get a bit sweary. Yeah, yeah. A bit Malcolm Tuckerish, really. All in a good cause. Tim, get, Tim, Tim gets you? a bit, I don't Carmen believe it. I, no, I, but I can lose it as well. Oh, yeah, yes. yeah. Especially around polite. some of the, uh, yeah, some decisions that are made high up. But uh, <laughs> well, We had a few yeah. John Cleese moments, didn't we, Tim? Yes, we did. I'll give this a good thrashing with my sticks. Yeah. I see, I see. Well, listen, we've all got our limits and so on. Uh, it, I mean, just a final thought as we close uh, part two then, just, um, I guess, a reflection on just first the amount of uh, money raised, but also on the support that you've received th- from everyone. I right? think you were asking earlier what was my overriding mm. memory of the first walk. Yeah. It was the people. It was mm. the suicide bereaved people we met. And without, without all of them, every single one of them said they had no idea that suicide was the biggest killer of our under-35s in the UK. And these were parents, the youngest suicide we heard of on the first walk, I think was eight. Eight, Uh, And and you hear this and you see the parents and you realise how broken they are and that nobody was equipping or is equipping Mm. our kids to deal with the rigours and the emotions of life. And that kind of takes into part three. But that was that's the overriding memory of the first work is all the fantastic, beautiful, but bereaved people we met who came out to support us because they were in the same boat as us. Uh, Yeah. and that, that spurred us on, didn't it, for yeah, the second walk? Yeah. It, it was the ability to laugh as well, you know, sort of, we, you know, the depths of despair as we walked, the heartbreak, our own heart heartbreak, you know, other people's depths of grief. But funnily enough, when you are with people in the same position and you start talking, you do start laughing. Yeah. And that's what we did find. We were walking and laughing as well. Generally, each other, but, yeah, uh, but the people yeah. who joined us as well, you know, invariably, you know, that's life. Cheers, cheers and laughter. Yeah, trying to, I mean, it's amazing how, like, you use humour in the darkest moments. Absolutely. You to try yeah, and get yeah, through, you, you like, do. laugh, you well, cry, as I say. Yeah. It's true, isn't yeah. it? You know that as a, as a medic. Mm. You know, well, we do, we it. have to, yeah. Yeah, yeah. dark humour. Yeah. Yeah, you've got to use it. No, we, we, every day we cried, but every every day we laughed. Mm. And we, we laughed a lot. So, we did. Uh, and we continue we to laugh. We do. Well, I've had a good laugh with you already on this. Well, <laughs> thank you so much. And we're going to end uh, part two there. We very much caught a, a glimpse and... and, and reflect on your first walk but obviously you've done you covered a huge amount of other distances as well um and i think perhaps what we'll do in, in part three is really focus a little bit because i know you've got a lot to say um around uh, suicide prevention the work you're doing so i'd really love you to talk more about that in part three so thank you everyone um again obviously we're talking about difficult topics hard topics but i i'm sure you appreciate that this is real life it's the number one cause of of death under 35 year olds it's an important conversation to have so we really appreciate you sticking with us and again if you need support show notes um you know always know there's hope for a better day we'll see you all in part three hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter that's why i teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create pretty litter its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80 percent less than clay litter Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.